Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm Jim Irizarry. Tens of thousands of nurses have left the healthcare industry since the pandemic, and fewer people are deciding to enter the profession altogether. One hospital system in Indiana is among four across the country that's part of a pilot program to help healthcare professionals handle the stress. The offers are good enough to attract pretty much everyone who sees them. Career postings for nurses touting six-figure pay, $50,000 signing bonuses, and thousands of dollars in educational assistance. But the incentives don't seem to be enough. Enrollment in baccalaureate nursing programs down for the first time in 20 years. And more than 100,000 nurses have left the workforce since the pandemic started. I've never seen... Um, a moment in time that is more important for our country and our communities to support the nursing profession. Kate Judge, executive director of the American Nurses Foundation, calling the current stress level among nurses sustained and concerning. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics projecting more than a quarter million additional nurses will be needed now through 2030. A recent survey by the National Council of State Boards of Nursing says burnout concerns were seen most in nurses with fewer than 10 years of experience. Democratic Rhode Island Congressman Seth Magaziner introducing the Healthcare Worker Retention Act this past February. The bill, if passed, would establish through next year a $1,000 refundable tax credit for healthcare workers who meet certain criteria. The bill was referred to the House Committee on Ways and Means, where it still sits, despite short-term incentives in the works from lawmakers. Ultimately, it's about what is sustainable in the workplace. The ANF is taking a more in-depth approach by working directly with nurses at Indiana University Health and three other hospital systems elsewhere in the country to adopt a stress first aid program. It was initially designed by the U.S. military to provide a framework for psychological peer support and ways of promoting self-care. Christy Todd, a nurse of 23 years and current clinical advisor at IU Health Bloomington, is helping lead the charge. It ties together what I feel like a lot of us are already doing in our day-to-day practice and working as a team, um, but it helps us have a common language. They use a guide called the Stress Continuum that's divided into four different colors, green, yellow, orange, and red. Green, meaning a nurse is having a great day and in control, all the way to red, meaning a nurse needs immediate intervention with a mental health professional and should step away from work. That's also the point in which the team should reach out to hospital leaders for additional support. Todd admits self-care is important in any profession, but for nurses, it's an especially taxing occupation. But our industry is unique in that we are dealing with high emotions, um, high stakes, um, and wanting to do the best to care for our patients. Now, over the course of this year, next year, and 2025, Stress First Aid will be rolled out to a few more hospitals within those four pilot program health systems. They'll be collecting pre- and post-data of how it affected nurses, and that data will then go back to the ANF for review, so it'll be a while before the results are known. WSBT's Aaron Leedy reporting. 19-year-old Joseph Troop appeared in court Thursday after the shooting death of a 1-year-old by Troop's 2-year-old son. He was arraigned on four charges, including reckless homicide and neglect of a dependent, and pleaded not guilty. 
That shooting happened Tuesday at a home on Amherst Avenue. South Bend Police and the St. Joseph County Prosecutor all say this tragedy could have been prevented. Police are frustrated, saying they're starting to sound like a broken record as this conversation is nothing new, but the incidents keep happening. It's a disaster when it happens. Uh, and you can't take it back. The South Bend Police Department wants to remind the public of the importance of gun safety following a tragic incident that occurred on the city's south side where a two-year-old shot his one-year-old cousin while playing with his father's gun that they found. You can't talk to anyone here at the police department or in the prosecutor's office who hasn't seen this time and time again. We get sick of saying it. As frustration grows, it's brought the department to think of other ways to help lower the amount of accidental gun tragedies. Through a large donation, they are giving gun owners free gun locks to help keep their weapons locked up and safe. Take the metal rod and put it all the way through the weapon. And when it's all the way through, you obviously want to be gentle. When you can put it back in the gun, it pops back into place and the key comes out. And from there, it's nearly impossible to fire. While this is in here, the gun itself cannot be closed. At the same time, nothing can be put in the magazine, so ammunition cannot be put in here anyway. They will still have access to the trigger, but because there is no ammunition inside the gun and the gun is not completely closed, it can't fire. But parents also have a responsibility. Police say parents need to have gun safety talks with children so they are aware of the rules and dangers. There are limited locks available, but the department will be restocking once they do run out. And you can pick up a lock at the South Bend Police Headquarters, a move that could save a life. WSBT's Tiana Baxter reporting. Despite the death of that one-year-old, the South Bend Police Department says that crime is down. Chance for people in South Bend to learn about crime trends in the city, all part of the police department's monthly crime stats meeting. Car thefts, commercial robbery, garage and residential burglary, vehicle larceny and shots fired were all down compared to the June stats, something that the South Bend police attribute to a number of factors. It's just the totality of everything, right? Hey, increased manpower, the different directives we're doing over here, you know, being the, like I said, data-driven, intelligence-led, having the extra manpower on the patrol shifts, you know, adding over here, working with our community members. While shots fired calls are down slightly, gun-related incidents are still the largest amount of calls that they get. Officers are emphasizing to put the guns down. Whether it's some type of gang feud between sides of town or some gang over here, or it's a domestic issue, is people need to realize not to turn to firearms. With nine reported deadly shootings so far this year, compared to 13 at this time last year, South Bend is on track to have its least violent year since 2019. Even with crime being lower, police want to make it clear to call if you see a crime or become a victim. Please call us, right? Nine times out of 10, don't report it on some Facebook group. Call 911. Call our non-emergency number. Call Michiana Crime Stoppers. If you see an officer, flag them down, talk to them, let them know. But we need that information right then and there. The police department's transparency hub shows crime data through June and will update throughout the year. The South Bend Police Department holds this monthly crime stats meeting on the second Wednesday of each month. WSBT's Asher Bookspan reporting. COVID-19 cases are back on the rise, this time because of a new variant of Omicron. If you think you've been hearing about more friends having COVID, that's probably true. 
we're actually admitting 5,000 people a week right now for COVID. Rising cases of COVID-19 nationally, in part due to a new Omicron variant, which the CDC says accounts for about 17% of new COVID cases in the U.S. Dr. James Harris at the South Bend Clinic says there are more cases out there right now and more people coming into his office for treatment. While the CDC says there's no proof yet the new variant is more contagious than previous ones, Dr. Harris says summer gatherings could explain the numbers, but the risk of spreading coming at a tough time as kids head back to the classroom. Well, we know when kids go back to school, a lot of infections start to spread. The flu, RSV, everything else is out there. Uh, just the common cold as well. So we can expect probably another surge when the kids go back to school and start bringing the infections home. The warning signs of the new variant similar to before, a headache, fever, and fatigue, although they may be less severe. But the good news is that the vaccinations have made a big difference. What we're seeing in terms of severity, the cases are a lot less severe, a lot fewer people are being admitted to the hospital. Those that get admitted are much less likely to end up in intensive care. Dr. Harris says there's a bivalent vaccine that includes a vaccine for the original strain and the Omicron variant. He says the FDA has approved a monovalent vaccine that will attack the Omicron variant coming out in October. A lot of new variants coming up, but for the most part, we think the new vaccine will cover those as well. Dr. Harris stresses it's still important for those in high-risk groups to continue being careful and may want to consider still wearing a mask while in public. That includes people over 65 or those with a serious illness like asthma, COPD, and diabetes. WSBT's Anne Larie reporting. The proposal of a homeless ordinance in Elkhart has sparked debate. There was some pushback from the public, and many are raising questions on this ordinance, and some are even worried this could lead to potential lawsuits for the city of Elkhart. Let's do better. I don't really want, I don't think this ordinance is a good ordinance. That was a common thought at tonight's special common council meeting on a proposed homeless ordinance. This proposal is intended to prohibit camping and storage of personal items on public property. At the first meeting on this topic last week, common council members left many questions unanswered. Today, leaders at Guidance Ministry hoping to find those answers. The ministry helps anywhere from 40 to 50 homeless people a night. For Angie Wagaman, she doesn't see these people as homeless. She sees them as family. Joke that we put the fun in dysfunctional and we become kind of a family with those folks. Especially, again, the ones who are on the streets. They tend to become family and then we just become, a lot of times you'll hear them call me Mama Angie um, because I mom them. Some concern that a designated camping area would become a tent city. Common Council President Arvis Dawson says that would not be the case. We want to continue here from the public. Uh, we just want to reiterate, though, that we are in no way proposing any type of tent city. When we talk about designated camping areas, we're talking about an area such as a campground. Corinne Strait, Director of Communications for the City of Elkhart, says city leaders are doing the due diligence before making a final decision. Um, we have some of our homeless providers. We meet regularly with the Homeless Coalition here in the city of Elkhart, and I attend those meetings. So we did have a very, I think, lively discussion at our last meeting about this ordinance and what it means and why we were pursu pursuing this angle. There was no vote on this today, and there is no word on when there will be a decision on the ordinance. Council members told me this public hearing is one step of many before a decision will be final. WSBT's Sean English reporting. The number of former patients of Praxis Landmark Recovery filing suit against the facility has more than quadrupled. It's all from the fallout of three deaths and an overdose in one week at the beginning of July. And all of these changes, the new litigation and adjustments to the original legal action happened within the last 24 hours. The attorney in charge of these cases says there's more coming. Landmark Recovery now facing lawsuits from two groups of former patients from St. Joseph County and Bluffton, Indiana. We found that there was unfortunately 
a lot of similarities between the conduct that went on at the Mishawaka facility also went on at, at Bluffton. And sometimes um, the conduct at Bluffton was worse than it was at Mishawaka. Attorney Trevor Crossan says the lawsuits are similar and both claim endangerment, premise liability, negligence, and punitive damages. His office has been inundated with calls from former patients and employees as people continue coming forward to tell their stories. How many patients have reached out to you? For Mishawaka, we've had over 100 uh, former patients reach out to us. Bluffton is following a similar pattern. Uh, we get calls all the time. Crossan says they're planning to amend the two lawsuits in the future in addition to filing a medical malpractice claim. Brittany E. Byer is a former patient at both facilities in 2022, and she's working with Crossan on her next legal steps. E. Byer says she was sexually assaulted at the St. Joseph County Rehab in August or September 2022, and her alleged attacker was allowed to stay in the program. He came into my room and tried taking, when I was sleeping, and tried taking my pants off. And then I'm screaming, like, this is supposed to be a women's side and then a guy's side. I don't know how he got over there. The staff obviously wasn't paying attention or care. She has stories in both locations of not being given enough food, not receiving prescribed medications, men wandering into the women's area, among others. Ebayer hasn't shared her experiences sooner because she didn't think she had a voice against the rehab giant. I feel like I can tell my story of what personally happened to me, you know, and I'm glad that they're shut down. With every amended version of the lawsuit, Landmark Recovery has 23 days to respond. And when the former patient lawsuit was originally filed, Landmark requested an extension, and they'll be able to do that whenever it's amended. WSBT's Erica Finke reporting. Unity Gardens in South Bend is embarking on a project that partners them with a local reentry program to connect people to healthier food, even in the winter. At Unity Gardens, people can come select from homegrown, fresh food to eat. Now, even when snow is on the ground, this dome will enable them to do just that. It extends their growing season, and it extends their educational opportunities. I mean, Sarah and I have talked about a lot about possibilities in here that you know may get funded down the road. Um, to have kids just be excited about coming. I think, I think the kids that are in the neighborhood and the kids that come here in general, and probably a lot of the adults will be curious about what, what this is. It will cost around $160,000 to build the dome, which is made from five-layer polycarbonate. Those with Unity Garden say this idea was a no-brainer for all involved. This is huge in terms of impact, and it's huge in terms of um, an attraction for our area. And of course, then it helps us connect to our mission more uh, efficiently. So I think that something that does all those things is something you just must do. So we have an opportunity here to um, connect to kids, the next generations that will be engaging in Unity Gardens well after I am gone. Some people helping build the dome come from Gecko's Remodeling, others from the South Bend Community Reentry Center. They say the idea for them to help with the building of the dome came from the residents themselves. Our guys were out here for uh, an event, and they've been out here to bring uh, vegetables from our garden, and they saw the plans for the geodome, uh, and they said, hey, we could do that. And so we, the, I, I kidnapped the warden, brought him out here uh, Thursday, and on uh, Monday we had approval to, well, before that, we had approval to bring a crew out and start construction. The dome is expected to be completed by this winter. WSBT's Leo Goldman reporting. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. 
Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 